The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and uh, joining me is guest Charlie Gareth Reynolds. How are you, Gareth? Good, Will. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I enjoy doing a podcast with an American because with the time difference, uh, it's 11am where I am Uh, to make it sort of a good time for where you are, wherever that may be in the world. And, uh, you know, who knows? I don't know where you are. You would not reveal it to me. I don't uh, watch it. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, don't worry about it. I'm in a basement. Don't worry about it. Whatever. Whatever, man. Yeah, It man. seems seems like you're there of your own free will, wherever it's the not. fuck it is. It's not. You just told me it was 11 o'clock in the morning where I was. That's all I needed to know, and I didn't uh, need to know anything about yeah, yeah, you yeah. or what was going on with you. Yeah. I'm also in Australia. I should point that out. <laughs> You're in like another room in my house. This this podcast is coming from within the house. (laughs) Um, I thought you were going to say it's nice to talk to an American because you feel better about your country, which I would imagine is also the other side. That's, I mean, it's absolutely 100% the case, you know, that... Oh, it's got to be great. It, it it helps. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine being able to like look at it and be like, fuck, rather than be in it and be like, fuck. I mean, yeah. it is nice to be back, it turns out. It turns out that America picked a very good time to have a complete and utter breakdown because oh, it was yeah. really, they'd been edging up towards it a fair bit while I had been there. And then yeah. as soon as I kind of left, I feel like, and I don't want to make this all about me, but I may have been the only thing holding it all together. A lot of people think you were the linchpin. A lot of people think when you left, there was a vacuum and pure evil siphoned itself into the said hole. And that's what you have now. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first guy to blame you for Trump. I can't be. I, I, I'm not to blame for Trump, although I, I will say this. Yeah, I did quite famously, and when I say quite famously, I mean famously in my own life, not famously in any other way. Sure, <laughs> quite sure. famously. The thing that everybody's talking about. I <laughs> you did know. Fly, I did fly into America on that fateful day um, in 2016. I left Australia and Hillary was in front and she was going to win. The timing of the flight was thus, that there'd been enough early po- like you know, polls, exit polls, these sort of things. Everything was going to plan. Hillary was going to get the majority of the votes, which she kind of did anyway. But it turns out that wasn't yeah. all the details that you needed to do to get across no, the line. No, no, no. That's the popular vote. That's what American Idol does, not our democracy. So that was going fine when I got on the plane. And uh-huh. somewhere long about... Flight. <laughs> somewhere, it's a long flight. Long and flight. A lot can change, it turns out, yeah. in one flight. And so somewhere during that flight... 
it went from being the case that when we all got on, like a plane full of people got on a plane going to America, assuming that Hillary was going to be the new president and got Mm -hmm. off in a reality that no one had really imagined. Like there is still a part of me that thinks that I've gone through some sort of alternate dimension time loop in that moment because everything since then has seemed real fucked up. Yeah, it's just like a Bermuda Triangle plane. You're like in your own version of Lost, which I've never seen, but it sounds that it makes enough sense that it could be lost. Yeah, no, I and that's really what it has felt like since. I mean, the the comparison has been made and it's just too good that like it is the back to the future where Biff is in charge. It's back to the future, too, when they go off the timeline into the Biff casino land. And that's that is kind of what it feels like now. The country. Yeah. But also, dude, it's that that's what the world is now, you know, because. I mean, I did see somebody the other day saying that, uh, well, coronavirus, masks were a conspiracy and coronavirus was a conspiracy to take down America. And I was like, yeah, but it is. If it's just a conspiracy to take down America, it's really happened in a whole bunch of other places that it didn't need to happen to take down America. That would be like, yeah, that's like if someone dies and your plan was to shoot them in the ankle. It's like, (laughs) we should have. Like, this was so survivable. Like, it would be like, you just want to, like, hurt the person. Like, you just want them out of the Olympics. So you just, like, shoot them in the ankle. But then they hold their ankle. And then they just fall into the street, get hit by a car, which takes them over to a a pool where an electrical pole falls in. And you're like, I just wanted to hurt the foot. Well, it's a bit like you you want to murder one person, but you just (laughs) kill 300 just to throw people off the scent. You're like, yeah, no one's yeah. going to notice my link to that one in the middle if I just kill an extra 299 people. And that is very true and what it is like because it is just like um, there's just there's too much to process. <laughs> it's flying. It is fast and furious. And the reaction is still um, so apathetic. It's it's unreal. It's like it it is astounding as uh, as usual that that we are you know, still, still, I mean, people are still going out for jogs and, you know, it's, it's strange how you'll operate. Like, it's like, you know, you watch Mad Max and you're like, oh my, what the, how do they stand for this? You're like, well, you just, eventually you're just like, eh, come on, maybe I get water. Eh, maybe not. Either way. I could stay at home and like, you know, play guitar in my bedroom or I could get strapped to a, the front of a futuristic car and play guitar there. Oh, the- <laughs> Let's see that guy. That's we need more of that guy. That's the guy doing. Little, that's the guy who's going on the road uh, doing gigs, even though coronavirus is still around. Yeah, he's that in guy, Fort Lauderdale just, all I'm just, week. I'm just yeah. gonna perform. Strap yeah, me to yeah, the front this of the future. called car. fuck masks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. That guy. That guy, a hundred percent, is not only at a Trump rally, but he's like in camera shot of Trump where you're like, Oh, look at that guy. There he is. He's just like behind him. Like, yeah. Uh, how much are you staying inside your house? How much do you like, what's your life like at the moment? Like, you know, just in uh, a, it's, a general sort of, what do you do with your day? Uh, it's, it is, it's just a lot inside. I mean, um, especially with, uh, with the smoke and stuff like it's, um, yeah, you, you kind of have no choice. I mean, you have to be inside for the most part. You can go and do some stuff, but um, yeah, you really, I mean, my life is very simple. I still, you know, have work and stuff to do. So like, I still am like busy, but um, you know, not really. I, I was in a writer's room for, for like two months. And so that was like a nine to five job. And so that's like, that felt like a thing, you know, still weird. 
but then outside of that now i mean yeah i don't know i just like um yeah i mean i really don't know man it's fucking weird it it is now can i can i ask you a question like i'm sure you've been asked this question a lot but i need to kind of cover it off because because even amy asked this question and if amy's asking it then then everybody's got to have been asking it i think in relation to this question which is you wrote on a tv show called uh, like a a cartoon like a that is currently showing in australia on netflix i guess is it on netflix all over the world is that called yeah hoops? You, is it hoops? Called hoops? yeah yeah hoops, right yeah. and you wrote an episode of that right I wrote a couple episodes of that, but yeah. A couple episodes yeah. of that, right? I've only yeah. watched a couple so far, but it's it's a pretty funny show. Like, it's it's been making yeah. me laugh. Were you aware at the time that the lead character of that show was going to look like Dave Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> ah, that is a great question. Um, you know, it's funny because they, they, <laughs> they had made... Um, a, there, there was a little like 10 minute version of it that, that that they had made and it was Jake and then Ben the creator of it and they just made this little thing and I watched it and then read the script and then I was like what it wasn't until like they started putting pictures up that were like in a production office that were like hoops you know and like so an actual that I was like I, and I even said to Jake like this I mean that looks exactly like Dave and he was like that looks a hundred percent like him. Um, and then I comp- the thing with these, sh- with an animated show is it takes so long. Like I finished working on this so long ago. So I completely forgot about it. And then it was just like once, once I posted like, uh, the like little teaser of it, I mean, it was just, everyone was like, did you base this on Dave? Is this an homage to Dave? You know, like I wasn't involved in any of that. They just happened to make, the main character just looked very much the guy that Jake Johnson plays, the main co- character coach. He just he looks exactly like Dave. Is there a chance that you have been hired on this show through some sort of subliminal thing where they're just like, we've got an angry guy who looks like Dave Anthony, and then uh, he's suddenly angry just too. He's yeah. like he's. I didn't no, even think he, about that. Yeah, he's, no, he's not just. Doesn't just look like Dave. Like this no. character is more Dave, <laughs> Dave than coaching. Dave is. <laughs> this is yeah. literally if Dave was a coach of a basketball yeah. team. If instead of thinking the NBA was rigged, he became yeah. a coach of a basketball team. This right. Is the yeah. Dave he get, yeah. Story. Right. Yeah. Which would I mean? Which would totally be a thing coach would think anyway. Um, yeah. No. It. Uh, it might. It, there might be some cosmic connection potentially. You know that they. They somehow subliminally Dave got me the job, but uh, no, it it is so funny. Um, I it was so funny. I was wondering where you're going with that. I was like, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. But but then and I and I didn't tell Dave, and then it just kind of dropped. And then he was like, uh, he was like, why are people? I was like, yeah, it just there's a resemblance, you know. Um, minor. Yeah, in that he yeah. looks exactly like you, and he's in real the- angry about everything like you. <laughs> If in that, if a wizard were to turn you into a cartoon, this is what it would be <laughs> and <laughs> on every just, level. Just to complete the ultimate Dave Anthony story of it, you you did not get cast as that character. Yeah, <laughs> they've right. made a, yeah, right, they've decided right, you are perfect right. to be a lead in a TV show, <laughs> but you did not get the part. Well, that that happened to Evan, my uh, my writing partner, who I worked on Hoops. He. You know, we when you first move to LA, like the thing you do is you you know commercial act, like that's the way that you can actually supplement a real income. Um, 
and so you know you get involved in like uh, commercial acting and stuff like that. And and Evan had done this Dr Pepper commercial that was huge. It was to the Meatloaf song "I Would Do Anything for Love," and it was like I went out with him when it, like he would get recognized all the time and stuff like that. And then so like two years later, like the, someone sends him a picture. They're at an audition, and it's like you know they want the Dr Pepper guy from that commercial, and he never got called in. He was like, what the fuck? Like, literally, I'm here. I'll do it, you know? But there's like, I don't know. It's in the, so I mean, maybe it's one of those deals. The fact that he didn't, I mean, it would have been worse if he had got called for it but didn't get it. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, you well, know, it would be, here's, the pathetic version is where you fight to get called in because it's you, and then you just fuck it up. Yeah, exactly. Or just Which is how it would work. Classic casting scenario where, because I'm not an actor, I've done two acting jobs in my entire life. I've acted uh, twice. Let put a pin. Let put a pin in that, and let's get into that after. Because I am very curious about that. Okay, but I when I first went to LA, because the way the system works over there, and everyone's so fascinated by acting, I got sent out to do some auditions, some terrible, uh, terrible uh, auditions. Like, and most had aud- you had any, like, because it is auditioning is a very it's different than maybe what people would imagine. Like it is weird and there is an art to it. Are you, do you have any experience or are you just going in like cold, not knowing anything? Cold, not knowing anything. Had never Perfect. been to an right. audition That's for anything need, yeah. in my entire life. And I'm suddenly Perfect. landed into and going out for, cause I had like a big agent and like I came in, you know, like from another country. And at the time, yeah. I'll tell you exactly what it was. I was getting all the things that Russell Brand had suddenly become too big to go out for. Oh, what a dream. Right. So That's basically great. they were That's like, a great oh, area. what we'd like is like another foreigner. It, yeah. went, it went well with this foreigner. Let's see if we can get another uh, foreigner. How about, is there here. another tall, charming man with an accent that you have nearby? So What's that, his hair like? That'll that, do. That was their thinking. Their thinking right. was basically, you'll be able to do these things, which of course I was completely incapable of doing any of those things. But I auditioned sure. for a whole bunch of... Like things that ended up being made into movies. My favorite of which being the one that they were really like, no, I think you'll be really good for this, which was a show called Your Highness. Um, a, oh, a I movie know that. called yeah. Your Highness, like a Stoner, Danny McBride movie. Danny yeah. McBride medieval comedy movie. That, it's it's uh, terrible. Absolutely fucking terrible. But yeah, that, that's the one that I could have been in. Oh, 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 and Baywatch the movie. I think that was one that I was uh. probably. <laughs> Pretty what? close for as well. Oh my! What were you? What would you have been in Baywatch? <laughs> I don't know. There was some sort of Australian like lifeguardy situation in Baywatch. I don't oh, know. I can't man. even remember. But uh, the, that that's oh, that's the best. But Those the, are the best. But the thing that you don't realize is like because I've never been in this scenario before is that they have an idea in their head mostly about what this character will be. And so you yeah. suddenly find yourself just rocking up to some studio, like driving onto some sort of, you know, studio that you've only seen at the opening, you know, titles of, you yeah. know, all these like movies. Like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, yeah. And then you just come in and you go into this room and you sit in a room with essentially oh. eight other guys who either look like better or worse versions of you. Like yeah. it's a real insight into what, not what you could be, if you really looked after yourself, what you could be if you let yourself go a little bit. And they all yeah. sit around in a room together. Like it's like being in multiplicity. 
Yeah, right? And there's yeah. a few just going, oh, you were like the eighth copy. Things were going yeah, a there, bit Oh, wrong. there's some duds where you're like, this guy signed in on the wrong sheet. I don't know if this guy should even be here. <laughs> well, that's what it would be like if you were... Go- so if Evan's going out for... To, you know, so we want a Dr. Pepper guy. He would yeah. suddenly be sitting in a room surrounded by a whole bunch Hims. of people who yeah. Yeah. looked like him, but he would be the yeah. original him. And then suddenly, yeah. can you imagine the other guys who've, who've like, they need the Dr. Uh, Pepper type and then you suddenly find yourself in the room with Dr. Pepper himself. That's like billboard though. You know what I mean? You're like, all right, I'm going up against the goat. I got this. I got this. <laughs> if you want to be the Dr. Pepper guy, you've got to beat the Dr. Pepper guy. <laughs> I know it goes through his home court. I'm going for it. It's like yeah. Highlander. Yeah, there right. can the be only one Dr. Pepper guy. Yeah, right. If he cuts his head off. What did you do, Trevor? <laughs> but the the rules. Um, yeah. Well, also, the, it, there's always like there, there are ones where, you know, I mean, because if you really are going out for commercials, like. You know, you could, you'd go out three, four, five times a week. I mean, it was a huge pain in the ass. But you would see some of the things you were get, going in for, and it would just be like, like a sloppier, fatter Seth Rogen type. You know, it does gives less, and you'd be there, and you'd be like, this is like hard to read. Like I, I've, I've been running. Why am I? This is tough. This is really. When was, I need new headshots because I should not be going in for it. You know. <laughs> or or ones like and then and then the way they treat you like as a product like I mean I ended up doing a lot of commercials and like there was that you know there would be ones where they would just like they'd put you in wardrobe and they would just look they'd just be like you know, his, his love handles are too big there like we need and you're just like Jesus lady like can you go into another room and do this and then I had one where the director saw my full beard and he was like What's wrong with his beard? Because I have like two patches in my beard where no hair grows. And and like he's on a walkie-talkie. He's like, what's wrong with his beard? And she's like, what's wrong with your beard? And I'm like, well, that's a very insult. I don't know. She goes, it's just the way it is. And he goes, it's bald like that? And she's like, it's just as like that? I was like, yeah, it's like that. This is really insulting. Hang on. Just um, run me through. Where is the director in this scenario on a walkie-talkie? He's in the second. He's, he's, <laughs> they're shooting these. It was for like... Um, it was for like a uh, like some cable or something like that, some cable commercial. Mm. So they're shooting like twelve of these in like three days. So this dude's <laughs> on the second floor of this house, like in the middle of shooting one, trying to approve. Like they were all out of their mind. I was like, "What the fuck is going?" That's when you knew the economy was going bad. I was like, "This is abnormal. Like, what is happening here?" <laughs> they're shooting. You know, twelve. This is nuts. And um. And yeah, so he's just up there. And then what they ended up doing was they ended up shaving part of my beard and then uh, gluing the beard that they'd shaved into the beard spots, the bald beard spots that I have. So it was normal, normal stuff. How did you feel you looked with like has because when you see yourself with a different version of your beard, a, a beard that a dude on a walkie talkie approves of, right? Some godlike yeah. figure in another room with a walkie-talkie approving the way that people look. You know, this is yeah. this is how I like to imagine God got it done in the early yeah. days. Like when it's I Adam did, and agree. Eve, yeah. you can take your time. They're artisanal yeah. projects, right? Yeah. But once you yeah. like get up speed and you have to be creating humans willy-nilly, like you've got to be you're going to be farming that out to angels. There's going to be some angel with a walkie-talkie in a giant room in heaven. Just What's, going, we've what, got to get. Why didn't you finish his beard, Gabriel? Just shave some of the other beard off and stick it back on. That'll do. Close Sh- enough. Go that'll on. do. We got to keep moving. There's a log jam here. Keep them going. Yeah. 
So, uh, so you've, you've seen yourself with a better version or a public approved better what version of what be. you could be. What did it yeah. make you like long yeah, for being able to was, grow that sort of beard? It was dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to do that because that's how you get. You know, that's how you you get. That's how you go. Oh shit! Yeah, it is weird. And then I looked at it. I was like, "This is a good looking beard." <laughs> But until then, that but that's how I always am. I never really know. I, like someone always has to point out something that's wrong with me, and then I'm like, "Yeah, my teeth aren't right, are they?" <laughs> like, like some people point out stuff, but that one definitely. When I saw the full version, I was like, "Yeah, this is." I'm like the brawny man. I got a good look. I'm like a rugged, you know. Now I just look like a teenager. It's like, yeah, um, do you need ketchup or are you good? You do so. have a look like a teenager that's trying to sneak into something. <laughs> Like, That's the vibe I like to give off, a hundred percent. Or like a like a, a Twenty One Jump Street style cop who's trying oh, to. That's, well, that's my dream at my age now to try to pull off high school. Hey, what's up, dudes? You know, oh, that's my dream. Give give me make that movie with me. Make Forty One Jump Street. Okay, Let's well, give this. me give me then a um like a, an audition on the spot. Okay. Like what we're casting is we're casting a sequel to Twenty One Jump Street. We did Twenty Two okay. Jump Street. Now we're jumping twenty. I love. Years. By the way, I loved. I loved both of the Jump Streets. What you were jumping ahead in the future? We're going to okay. 40, 44 Jump Street. Is what 40, we're, wow. we're starting. Okay. That's the reboot. Forty four right. Jump Street. Okay. Okay. What's the angle? And well, we need you, a man who's how old are you in real life? Uh, I'd rather somewhere I, I somewhere, lie about be, my somewhere, age, so somewhere between twenty eight and forty. So absolutely, yeah, right, right on there, right on there. <laughs> so <laughs> I still we, fit on that. Yep. We need you to play a cop who's somewhere between twenty eight and forty, who Perfect. happens to uh, needs to go back into a high school, but it's a Monday okay. high school. It's the year twenty twenty one. Okay. Uh, COVID is over. People are back at high schools. Um, there's some shit okay. going down at a at a high school, and we need like a cop to go back into high school. Uh, okay. It's your first day at the new high school. This is the scene that we need you to audition with. Uh, first day as an undercover cop in great. the high school, trying to to meet people and make friends. That's great. Okay. Uh, okay. That's great. And let me just say again, I loved the others. So this is a great. This I think I support this as a fan and as someone who would love to be involved in it. But uh, okay. Uh, Gareth Reynolds, part of Main Cop. Thank you so much again. Big fan. Hands, and I will shave. And this, my beard is like this. <clears throat> oh, my God. Lasagna again? <laughs> How over this are you guys? Me? Major. I'll tell you guys. Is it just me, or has lately stuff been kind of funky at the school? Like, effed up and stuff. Hold on, let me turn my hat backwards real quick. Uh, pass that salt. I don't care about sodium levels. <laughs> uh, yeah. You guys noticed anything, any strange activities of any kind? <laughs> oh, man. Milk with a meal? That makes sense. That's something I'm used to doing for a long time, and it's not strange. All right. Uh, great, great read. Um, we love Thank what you, you did there. Absolutely Thank fantastic. So now, Thank you th so there is a bit of range uh, to this character. So okay. we love what you've done. Uh, thank you. What, what we will say is sometimes we'll just give people a thank you and a pass at this stage. Uh, we haven't given you Well, let you me just affirm again that I'm a fan first, excited to even be told that I'm advancing. And I'm not going to read into that too much, but that's fantastic. It feels mutual, but I don't want to blow it. So go ahead. Sorry. We've got another couple of scenes. 
Um, you can read into it whatever you want if we uh, move you on after we only do one of those scenes. That was your phone to be clear to the uh, people watching the tape. I would never on set. Mine's off, but it's totally cool with me that yours is on. I'm not sorry. Kidding. Sorry, I am actually currently uh, approving three other auditions <laughs> at the same wow. time. Great, uh, great. The economy's not great. So nope. anyway, no, I understand. Uh, the beard's going to go, so that's not the problem that the people in casting said it was going to be, so we're fine with that. Um, right. We will need to give you an artificial beard for the uh, earlier scenes when you're still a cop with a beard, um, but I'm sure Great. you're fine with that. You're fine with wearing yep. a w- wearing beard face. I mean, some people 100%. have an issue with it, particularly no. after no. the whole su- Batman versus Superman Justice League, you know, uh, mustache debacle. There is oh, some... I- no, I I completely uh, I completely understand. I I want the beard that is best for the project. We will be doing um, it all with natural effects. It will be a yeah. You will have to get the beard put on for the scenes. We can't. We don't have the visual effects budget to put it in later. So I would love that. I would love that. I would. I'm I'm so in that I'll wear it forever. I mean, whatever you guys want, literally. So I will literally do anything. I'm, well, I, I am a, a fan on every level. I don't want to skip ahead too far, clear. but uh, there would be a clause in the contract about contractually having to wear the beard for a period of probably 18 months to two years as a promotional a aspect post yeah, a, a period. As, fine. That's oh, fine. you've seen the contract. Okay, great. Of course, yeah. No, I've, I've signed so, a number of periods. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, I know that clause. Well, you, you, clause. I know you, like you have done clause. a lot of beard pieces and, you know, they have some of the best fake beard work in the industry. But again, we're getting bogged down yeah. and we've got a busy day right. and I'm Please, yeah, approving obviously. a few things. So um, yeah. uh, we do have a... Now, this is... A scene that I think you'll be able to handle, but I'm I'm just going to throw you a few lines. Um, okay. So I am Great. your I, I love to I, play. I'm your boss. Uh, okay. Your police boss, uh, the person who's okay. put you on this assignment, chief, like a chief of police, right or sergeant? Okay, right. Well, okay. Just hang on. I'm Again, just going to approve that. Mine is okay. off. Yep. yep. No, no, no. Great. That's all good. Okay. And you're allowed to do that. I'm not going to be the guy who's like, what? I'm I'm fine with it. Okay. Fantastic. Good. Uh, so, uh, I will be the chief of police. And okay. you will be reporting back after your first day at the school. Okay. All right. Great. So, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, what I was going to say, uh, Nathaniel, uh, uh, the reason I've uh, uh, brought you in here is I obviously wanted an update on uh, what the first day at school was. Can you uh, run me through uh, anything that you found particularly challenging? Did anybody suspect that you might not be a high schooler? And of course, uh, most importantly, are there any other leads on the case at the moment? Uh, I'll be 100% uh, honest, Chief. Um, I'm, I'm, I love what I'm doing. I mean, I really am starting to find it. Um, but we hit a few snags today, um, you know, ones that I think I can totally overcome with a little bit of time. It seems like some of the lingo we've been testing is not right. Kids, you know, they, they don't uh, talk Can, can you give me an ex- example of uh, something? I mean, we... Really, okay, honestly, so, got the fi- finest linguists in the world together to put together an approved dictionary of terms that kids today were using. Which ones do you not think landed? I just think the whole, uh, I, well, gnarly. Gnarly seems way off. Gnarly? I mean, yeah, gnarly. I was saying, uh, so what I did was I rode my skateboard into school and I said, yeah. gnarly bricks. <laughs> and uh, and then I did the like, woo sign, you know, like the thumb and the pinky up. Yeah. Woo. So I go, gnarly bricks. And um. I, that should be celebrated. I mean, that's that's a hero uh, coming, new kid in school coming in like that. When I was a kid in high school, that dude. And how how was it received? Uh, there was uh, Snickers, uh, not the candy. 
Uh, people were were laughing. Uh, they were. Uh, I would have taken the chocolate, but they, no, they were. They found it to be strange. So anyway, it felt like I started off at a bit of a deficit. Got it together. Mm-hmm. You know, in class, you can't talk too much. But I certainly made a bunch of fart noises with my armpits, which again, when I was in high school, that murdered. Um, they were pretty interested in concentrating or didn't find the fart noise funny. I'm still trying to kind of work on what that the problem there was. Um, but lunch was tough. Um, lunch, I really started pushing saying dudes a lot. I thought I'd just say cool dudes, and I was really, really, I think, laid it on way too thick. Um, a number of the children did suggest that I was not uh, their age and that uh, I might be older. Um, I played it off as well as I could. Uh, I laughed. Now, did you did you go with our pre-approved cover story for when you were asked why you might have looked older than the other kids? Yes. I said, yes. I said, I moved a lot and I've been really stressed out lately. And, you know, they were like, it's more than stress. And they 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 would laugh. I said, I smoke. And still, they said they, you know, genuinely saw crow's feet. Um, so I, you know, the good thing is it's a big school. So, um, I was able to mingle with a number of different other cliques. Uh, I will say I was having trouble finding my footing again. It seems like the cliques maybe talked in between each other, betwixt each other, because, uh, the accusation again, that I might not be in high school came a lot. Um, but I think it's one of those things where they just need to get used to me being a little older, looking a little older. I think smoking more will help. And I think just gnarly is a word uh, to stay away from. Okay. Well, let's take gnarly out. Let's lay, lay back a little on dudes. Like, I mean, we did have some research around, you know, the next generation being less gender binary and identifying right. perhaps. And dudes may just come with some sort of, we may not have really taking into account the research we had in that area versus the lingo of the day. So I think at the moment, let's steer clear of dudes. Let's steer clear of gnarly. Did you mention your TikTok? Uh, we obviously, yes. we, we put a lot of time into, yes. um, you know, creating that TikTok for you. Uh, did, how was the TikTok with the kids? Well, uh, I will level with you, Chief. Um, <clears throat> what uh, what you guys did to the, the TikTok is fantastic. Fantastic, uh, if I may. But uh, unfortunately, I for the first hour, maybe nerves, maybe j- I don't know what it was. I was calling it toxic, and um, I just think that got it off on the wrong foot. Um, people seemed disinterested then in my tick TikTok, right? That's yes, TikTok. People seemed disinterested in my TikTok, but. Uh, but again, I think that's just first day stuff. You know, kids forget stuff. Uh, have you got any nicknames after your first day? Kids tend to appoint. Uh, it is a sign. We've uh, obviously, if you can get a nickname on the first day, that's something that's really good. They were all, yeah. One of the uh, one of the children uh, co schoolers uh, put a sign on me that said Gramps, and the name stuck like the sign, which he used duct tape on to uh, firm the metaphor up. Uh, so yeah, that's tough. Uh, any any leads? Any leads on our case? Obviously, that's what we're really here and what's important. Did, was there any idea, you know, from any of the children, like of unusual things that were happening? Perhaps you know other cliques that you should be investigating. Any leads? Well, I thought I'd made a friend, and I said to him, "The only thing that would make this school cooler, dude." <laughs> is some more drug activity. 
He looked at me, but the way he looked at me, I thought he agreed with me. And I, and so we started yeah. chewing the fat. And um, he tells me the distributor is on the fifth floor. So I skip my next period uh, and, and go up the stairs like a pregnant teenager. And I go up the stairs and the fourth floor is the last floor. So when I hit the fifth floor door, it's the emergency exit that leaves you out on the roof. So uh, the, the distributor was not out there. It did seem too quick uh, to break through the case like that, honestly. But, uh, but I was locked out on the roof for the greater part of the afternoon. Uh, which is a shame too, because I definitely think I could have made some headway. Well, Gareth, we love it. We love it. We love what you've done there. Really fantastic. You really understand. Again, I'm happy to just talk to you guys. That's plenty for me. Everything else is gravy, I mean, <laughs> which I love. I particularly love the way that just when my phone beeped, I had something else to approve. You just kept going. You didn't acknowledge it. You rolled through it. You oh, were yeah. in the moment. It was, it was very Phones impressive. Phones beep in life. Phones beep in life. That's, that's the deal with phones. Now, this is the trickiest of all the scenes. And this is, you know, really where we're going to decide this role today. I've got to be honest with you. And sure. Uh, sure. there's a romance. Well, here's the problem. One of the uh, girls from the high school, a senior, but uh, still, uh, you know, a high school girl, develops... Can I, can I get the age? Just to influence how I play this uh, 17 years old. 17 years old. Uh, soon to be 18, but not and 18 yet. How soon is how soon? <laughs> by the by, the end of the time of my undercover. Your questions work? are making us feel uncomfortable. The idea of okay, the scene. Sure. That's fine. Is, the idea of the scene is that you, uh, of course, yeah. as an adult, in no way want to uh-huh. engage in uh, this romantic scenario. So you are doing right. your best. Uh, she is your best lead to get uh, to okay. uh, to solve this case. So you don't want to completely, um, you need to ingratiate yourself with her still, but at the same time, you need to rebuff her advances. So uh, tough scene, tough to play it properly. Um, You know, obviously this is a real decider for us whether someone can handle the emotional range of this character. So we're going to start quite gently. I will be reading you the lines of of the girl. Um, And on three, two, one. So, Nathaniel, the reason that I've brought you here into my bedroom wasn't really for you to help me tutor me in my mathematics. It's because, Nathaniel... What? I love you. The only maths I Uh, want to get involved (laughs) in today is one plus one equaling two, the two of us. And I've got another number that I really am excited about. It's between 68 and 70, Nathaniel. How do you Stephanie, feel about this? Stephanie, that number is 69. I'm aware of what that number means. Look, I came over here just to help you with your math homework and maybe loosely talk about some of the drug culture that seems to have permeated the high school. Anything outside of that seems like it's a little inappropriate. I mean, sure, we're both kids, but to me, any sexual activity before 18 is wrong. Um I'm not going to be a weird guy who stands here and asks you for your birth date. That makes people feel uncomfortable, so I'm not going to do that. What I am going to say is that that's math I don't want to do. Now, look, maybe you have some drugs we can take, loosen up, or maybe you know how to get some drugs we could take. Or maybe you could send me in the direction of drugs, and I'm not going to the goddamn roof again. I'm not an idiot. The only drug that I'm interested in 
Nathaniel, is the love drug. I know it seems like we should, but we shouldn't. Trust me. Uh, believe me, it just wouldn't work. I'm not for you. Nathaniel. I'm... Nat, if you Stop. let me kiss you, I will tell you who is distributing drugs at the school. Well, that's really... That feels really difficult <laughs> and, un and like an unfair angle. But here's what I'll say. I can't kiss you because I have a disease that makes some of the kids think I'm older than I am. And it starts from a bacterial infection in my teeth. And so I can't kiss you as much as I want to. And I want to give in. Believe me, a 69 for you, that would, it would be bad. It would, it would be like a 91. It's, I can transmit it. Look, I, look, I don't want to get into the mouth problems, but sleep on it and think if you want to give me the distributor's information. If not, I'm always down to help you with math. See ya. Sorry, I forgot my keys. Very good. Very good. Just cool. incredible. Wow. That, was, that was wow. I that for me even was what the hell happened? Yeah, that was good. you went there. This is a good. This is a, this is. I mean, again, I'm just a fan, so I'm just happy to be here. We we love what you've done here today. Look, um, you know, we can't give you a yes in the room, but I wouldn't expect that. Well, you know what? And we're going to see some other Gareth Reynolds types, but. You, you know the guy from That's you fine. know the guy from the Dr Pepper ad too, right? Yeah, yes, I will say a big drinker. Yeah. So probably not somebody you want on set. Uh, everyone else, uh, good luck. You know, I will say there's a lot of a uh, lot of bad eggs out there, but uh, but good luck with all that. Thank you guys so much. And again, I'm willing to shave anything, all of it. <laughs> I have shaved all of it. I shouldn't have said that. Stop recording. Thank you guys. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, that's that's uh, what that that you just provided the fulfillment of my fantasy. That's enough. That'll do. That's plenty. I once went to an audition. I don't. Maybe it was. I can't even remember if it was the guy who directed. Um, he made this great documentary called King of Kong, or something like that. Oh, King of Kong's a great documentary. Yeah, yeah King of Kong. And I yeah. I went out for a movie that he was directing. I can't remember if it was Your Highness whether he was the dude who actually directed your highness oh, or wow. whether this is a different story but i remember that my phone going off during this reminded me of it the fact that he did not once look up for his phone for the entire uh. time that i was auditioning there was other people in the room like but he was the director yeah. and i was like oh this is cool i really like that documentary and then the entire time he was just looking down at his phone and this uh. is how fickle i am in the five minutes it took me to audition and leave that i went from loving that documentary to like fuck him and his stupid fucking documentary <laughs> yeah it's by the way it's not that good <laughs> i know i called it great i do not mean that piece of shit no it they it is it is unbelievable the assholery you'll see come from people who have power it's insane you know and and that's one of the things that i do love about uh how hollywood is so liberal and all this shit and it's like it's just as full of it's entertainment politics it's full of pricks it's just full of pricks and it's full of lunatics like political lunatics as well you know but people are just like people out there are just like oh yeah we're saving the world it's like <laughs> any business i mean it is 
of all the businesses, that one favors the 1%, you know, like Wall Street, like, you know, like what we complain about with banks and shit, that entertainment business. But uh, anyway, again, give me a call if you guys want me to read again. Uh, I would love to come in. I didn't mean to go off on that. I wouldn't do that on set. Um, so that wait, was that what, great. What, what, I mean, Ricky your... Gervais, you know, who I have mixed feelings about. I think he's made some genius stuff, and then some of his other shtick I find a little infuriating. But yeah. but you know what? He does some really great stuff. Like you know, and one of his great jokes was that he did at the Golden Globes. And again, I find some of his Golden Globe stuff a bit too. Look at me, I'm outrageous. But then. Occasionally, he just nails something. And his stuff around the Epstein stuff and his stuff around people working for getting up on stage and making these speeches and then just working for Amazon and Netflix and Uh. all these companies that are, you know, Apple. And it's just like, yes, exactly. Like, it is a completely immoral industry. Now, I don't necessarily blame the people within it because sometimes if you want to, like, be an actor and the system's terrible you just have to like work in this terrible system but but it is a terrible system and anyone who pretends it's not a terrible system full of terrible people is just completely deluded yeah and i just think they have they think that they really do they're like they have a perfect pristine system you're like what are you talking about it's it's crazy it really is but yeah i definitely they they definitely have this yeah. And and the truth is that it would be part it would be our government's job to break up these enormous companies so that, you know, you could work for more independent stuff. But that's how you lose unions. Like that's how the Screen Actors Guild in L.A. now is like hemorrhaging uh, healthcare care uh, members because it's like you cannot you know, you just can't you can't have no competition and expect the power to to stay level, you know. So now, yeah, you, you do. You have like. Five places, even over the pandemic, like all these places that at one time, you know, have been 12 channels. Now they're like one company, like the, you know, the conflation of uh, in every way of these mega businesses um, just becoming bigger and bigger and eating up competition. And that and that's I mean, and yeah, you're subject to that in Los Angeles. And that's how you get that's why, you know, that's why the Writers Guild had to basically go on strike to some capacity just now, because it's like, yeah, you just they they crush, they crush people, they crush people, they crush their will, they, you know, and that's completely what what has happened. But but again, like if, if Amazon was like, do you want to do a special? I'd be like, I would love to. And I'm such a Bezos. Fan. I mean, it's the prison. It's the prison we're in. You know, I mean, what the fuck are you going to do? I had that conversation with somebody recently because Amazon are doing specials and they, do, they did a big run of Australian comedy specials that they asked me to do the first season of. And I did not do, but not because uh, not because uh, 15 minutes of my material was about how bad Amazon was, but because I was... Like for other reasons, like I'd like to say it was for moral reasons. I'd like to say that it I'd made not. some, but it was yeah. not. It was from now on. Say it's for moral reasons. I just it's like it's great. So I've acted go acted it. twice. I've acted twice, yes. and I think that you'll Please. enjoy. So I'm going to start with this. So I've acted twice. I had two lines <laughs> in total. So one line in each of the things that I've acted. Oh in. wow! Uh, okay. So the first one was a parody of a sort of comedy troupe. Uh, In Australia, um, there was a group called The Chaser uh, who were kind of 
they came through in the era of stunts, but they did political stunts. So they were sort of like the Daily Show meets like a like stunt team. And they've all gone on to have these, you know, really very well respected, you know, senior comedy careers. But they came out of a like a university newspaper, a bit like a Lampoons or something like that. And they became okay. their most famous stunt was when during the big um, uh, summit that the American president and everybody, all the world leaders were in at Sydney, and they one of them dressed up as Osama bin Laden and got through all the security in a limo. They just put the flag oh. on the on the front of the limo and got some fake IDs and like he dressed as Osama bin Laden and got way inside the security protected zone. It's like one of like to the oh point where they, God. they, the people doing the prank stopped it because they were scared they were going to get shot <laughs> if they got any closer. <laughs> like, Oh it, my God. And it was an international scandal, of course, because it's meant to have this like security that was unsurpassed because you've yeah. got all the world leaders and then some comedy prank troupe have dressed up as like the world's <laughs> most Laden famous gets terrorist. And then Bin Laden gets in because he has an ID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So, this show was a comedy show, like a Larry Sanders style, you know, satire of a, a okay. of a similar style team, basically. Okay. Right? So I had a role on that show, one line. What now are you are you playing Will? So well, I'm gonna give you the option to choose. Okay. Oh like great. beautiful. Who, you, do, who you this see, you know how to do a podcast. <laughs> this is fun. You just took my dumb look and who are you playing? You're like, no, how about this? Let's choose your own adventure. Okay. Okay. So I, I I did play a character on that show. So I've given you the context of what the show is. Okay. So, let, okay. So A is I played Will. They just got me on to play myself as a real life cameo in this fictional show. You know, shows okay. do that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm playing yeah. me. Um, hosting a award show type scenario. So the yeah the 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 team is at this award sales thing. It's like just a, in the wings of me in a tux of me hosting this awards night. So that that's okay. your option number one, right? It's very possible. Yes, yes. Option number two, I play another stand-up comedian, but somebody who might be again vaguely based. On a character sure. like me. A Will Anderson type. Right. Who is actually doing something that is based on a true story that happened to me with the Chaser Boys. This is that. So, regardless of what okay. which of these things is true, this is an absolutely true part of it. Um, I once had a meeting with the Chaser Boys when they were uh, quite new and uh, somebody was trying to get us to, you know, work together on a project. And we're in a room all just like, you know, just having a little, you know, chat about what we like and what we don't like. And there was this Australian prime minister. Well, uh, he never was prime minister. He was leader of the opposition called Kim Beasley. And he was an overweight dude. And so people would make jokes about him being overweight, you know. And uh, somebody had gone to one of his press conferences. And in that bit where everyone holds up microphones, they'd just been holding up like a some fried chicken. <laughs> Like a leg of fried chicken. Right? Uh, you see, if you're going to do it, do it right. So yeah. I said to them, I said, you know what I like about you guys? Your, your stunts always have a point. You're not like just going to a Kim Beasley press conference and holding up a leg of fried chicken. And then the room went silent and I suddenly realized, ah, I guess that was them. So... <laughs> 
Oh wow. Okay. So okay. In, that so makes in this, be attractive. In that That's second scenario. Okay. Yes, I'm okay. playing a comedian who is based on me and based on that scenario, Telling but that, it is a fictional right, okay. version of that scenario. Okay. And in the third scene, I am not playing me or a fictional version of me. I am actually playing a boss at a local television station that the boys have come in to do a meeting with, and I am actually <sighs> on the other side being the boss in that scenario as they try to win me God over to it. get them to make a TV show on their network. These are all very... you've. You've done well. Apologies, done well. apologies of- to Josh Earl because I think I've just started doing his show on my show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with B. I'm gonna go with B. I think you're playing a Will Anderson type at an award show, and you're telling that's well. I'm gonna go with C. C. Final answer. Lock it in. You lucky in C. Yep. It was A. I was just playing myself. Your action, your immediate instincts Fuck. were 100% <laughs> right. If you had Malcolm Gladwell Blink <laughs> style, you know, have you ever read Blink? The idea yeah. being that we, evolutionary wise, we are actually set up for our immediate instincts to often be absolutely correct. And then we do a lot of, you know, talking ourselves out of the fact that we had the immediate correct assumption. And essentially, I just did it. Did that to you. You had exactly. I believe your immediate instinct was: Did but, you just play Will? And you are absolutely fucking right. And I took ten <laughs> minutes to talk you out of that. But but it was quite a ride. Quite a ride. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really did. Yeah. All like, right. Uh, it's option A. You're like no, sit down. So uh, okay. okay. So in the first one, I just played myself backstage at an award okay. show. Can't remember what my line was. In the okay. second one, you're going to enjoy this. So Peter Hellier had a uh, television show called It's a Date, and it's every episode was self-contained. I think maybe there was some you know connection between the stories, but essentially everybody just going on a date of some kind, okay. right? So nice idea for a TV show. And some of the scenarios were fantastic, and they got a bunch of like you know well-known Australian actors and comedians to play. It, it's a it's a scripted yep. show where they've just scripted a date scenario for yeah. So okay. it's like it's essentially okay. a sitcom, but like done in it's sort of just six parts, six different dates. The connecting theme being that they're right. okay. dates. I think there may have been they're some dates. connection between characters, okay. but it wasn't really important to the overall story you could watch them as self-contained episodes basically and okay. and you know one might be an okay. older couple going on a date one might be like you know workplace romance you know like all yeah blind yeah, exactly, date right? right okay so this scenario and they got a whole bunch of australian actors and comedians to play parts in it so it okay and to play fictional parts in it to play characters in it right it wasn't set in the mm-hmm. world of comedy like the other one it was set in the real world However, my my okay. episode was set in the world of comedy a little bit. So, uh, Asha Ketty, who is a, a, a an Australian actress who's famous only in Australia, but she's kind of like the if Nicole Kidman had never left Australia, she'd be Asha Ketty. She's a big Australian star. And then there's this guy called Steve okay. Curry, who is the lead in a movie called The Castle, which is like the best Australian comedy film of all time. And Stephen Curry is a, is a household name in Australia, really funny comedic actor. Um, yeah. So, okay. So these are the two leads. 
their workmates, uh, they work together, um, get on well around the office, and they decide to go on a first date, and he invites her to watch him do stand-up comedy, right? <laughs> so <laughs> he's an open mic stand-up. Delicious. And for oh, the first God. date, he wants to get her along to watch his act. So already quite great, oh. but here's the best bit. He, despite the fact that he is not disabled, performs his act in a wheelchair as if he is disabled. Oh, my God. So his, his bit is, like, all his uh, jokes are about being in a wheelchair and what it's like to... And people think he's in a wheelchair. And people think he's in a wheelchair, but she knows oh. that he is not in a wheelchair. And so that is the premise for oh the episode, right? She goes to this comedy show to watch That's him great. and realise that he does that. So... I am in this episode. I've given you a scenario. I'm not going to give you an A, B, and C this time. What I'm just going to... I've given you all the ingredients. You tell me who I play in this episode. You play... You play either... You probably play like... Well, it's an open mic. So you play another comic. Maybe the MC, but another comic. And you probably... You probably say something about how he's inspirational or something you like maybe like get up on stage after and twist the knife as far as like how big of a ruse this is by being touched by him or something like that i'm gonna say that you're not far off i'm the headliner of the show playing myself again in my return role as me in a show so (laughs) what range the show that he is playing i am the headline act of the show that night so he is on earlier and we have a one-line interaction where i tell him yes something that i liked about one of his jokes because i don't know that he's at the time he's still in a wheelchair i am also under the illusion that he's in a wheelchair and i thought that one of his jokes was quite good so right okay that's kind of what i mean but yeah my favorite thing about that role was it was headlining uh, the. It was shot in and headlining in the show, the room where I did my first ever open mic gig. So the literal room. Oh my and god. And the room that I never got to headline. So the only time that I've headlined the room that I started in is in this fictional Peter Hallier show. So. So in order to headline it, you had to book the role of a headliner yeah. <laughs> in fiction. That's the only way that you were able to get. <laughs> past so i've acted twice played myself twice yeah and then when you try to get up there next yeah they're like no we do, we like will anderson the actor to pretend here but no we don't want to book will. so yeah but that's great i mean that in a way that has to be so you probably don't look at it this way because you're so humble but it has to be sort of validating in a way to be like asked to play yourself that is there is a uh status to that that a uh, twice two times you know that's like you know what i mean like that's never happened for me people are like hey waiter shut the fuck up move the dish you're like okay it's actually gareth they're like nobody gives a I shit i would actually love that to be because there's not many uh australian comedians who don't act right like there's plenty of opportunities to act right. i've just never been interested in it it's not what i what i like to Which do like i've got plenty yeah. of other things that i like to do and i'm not going to go and take a role away from somebody who would actually really like to do it even if I could get something and there's probably been some opportunities over the years that I've just you know said no to because like it's not my thing but well you passing on Batman was shocking but but what if 
Like I just make it my mission from now on to appear as in, in as many things as possible, but only one line and only playing myself. I have one like I would. Uh, yeah, you want the Donald Trump acting career as himself. Like I want, I want to at age yeah, seventy five yeah. be on like Graham Norton's show. Graham's getting on a bit, but he's still, he's still energetic. And I want to be sitting there with Graham Norton, sure, yeah. And he's asking me about my my memoir of my time in movies and TV calls as himself. And then you yeah. played yourself again. You played yourself again the following year to a much critical acclaim. That's right, Graham. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, we have that line here. Uh, good job out there, mate. Will another amazing performance. I mean, um, the great thing is, anytime I went on a show, you could show all my movies in the opening clip. Like it's literally just here's a little package of all the movies yeah. you've been in. The entirety oh. of my performances could just be reshown and, and reshown every time I appeared on something. Your in memoriam is just like at the Oscars. Because I'm Will Anderson. That's why. It's <laughs> just very meta. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. If you have that something would be, that, that is would be, one also, line. If they wanted, if someone wants to work. Yeah. Well, if yeah. someone wants to work with you too, they're like, so um, Will's had a chance to read the part of Charlie. He loves it. His only thing is that he's sort of pigeonholed himself into this thing that he'll only play himself. So is there a way that the brother on the show could just be Will? Is that possible? Yeah, a it's a fictional show, but the brother happens to be Will Anderson. But Will Anderson in this world is also a celebrity, and yeah. he's just the brother. He just is the brother. It's we never rewrite. mention why. We never explain it. <laughs> no, no. And Will won't because he refuses to do more than one line. One line. He does one line. A, a, a show, to be clear, a show. He's still going to be a prominent role. Boy, that that's the dream. That's it. Will to be your and then you're in and out too. Because to me the thing about like acting and it sounds so annoying to uh even like sound like you're bitching about this, but um you know, if you heard that that's Jose's electronic feeder. But it is it is an annoying job because you you wait around so much and like there's just so much waiting. Like whenever I worked in like restaurants and shit, you know, I, w I wasn't happy to be at work, but busy nights you liked better because the time would go by. It would suck, but then it'd be like 1030 before you knew it. Like when they call you in for acting, they're like, we need you there at 630 and then they'll use you at like 7 p.m. And then you're just like, what the fuck? And you're just in like a little trailer all day just like doo, 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 you know i i agree with you so that's part of the reason even in like for the one line that i had in peter hellier's thing it was like four hours of being there because they have to do a whole bunch of other things anyway so i yeah hated that aspect of it and it's i think so i'm going to put yeah. that in my contract i'm putting it out there that i will appear in your thing as myself for one line but we have to shoot the whole thing in half an hour that's my other uh. rule i come in and from the minute I get there, we're on a half an hour clock that we have to get this one line done half, or that's I'm out an of ambitious there. ambitious clock. Ambitious. I, see, I'd give two, uh, two hours if that's fine. Like, there were, like that, that commercial where the dude was losing his shit and he was on the second story. That, like, I was in and out. They were just like, boom, let's go. Those ones are great. It, it is just, and you know what else I don't like? I don't like that people come up and touch you. Like people come over and they're like pulling your ear and you're like, who, what's your name? Who are you? It's just, you are, it, you do, you are, you are the product. You are, it's so, it's so weird. 
That's what I always think with like, and again, it, why stand up and acting feels so different to me, right? Is that, and I think part of it is ego. I don't like people telling me what to do. And yeah. I think that I understand that an essential part of the acting process is people telling you what to do and how you should talk and how you should look. And, you know, they just touching you without your permission, as you said. And I don't like any of those things. And stand up. I know you're still the product. I know the audience is still relying on yeah, you, but- like kind of doing your job. But there is also that aspect of stand up where quite famously you can just walk off. <laughs> Yeah. You can just yeah. stop doing or, it. Or you can just be like, get fucked. You know what I mean? You can just be like, that's it. It's one of those. And you can, you know, you can like find your way to die the death on your terms. Whereas like acting is like, it's just, uh, but I did a, uh, I did an episode of the new girl, but because like, you know, I've been friends with uh, Jake Johnson for a while. And when I did that show, I was like, he's got the right idea because he doesn't say his lines. He just makes them up. Like, I mean, I was on like the last season, but he's like, literally, they're just like, Hey Jake, you do need to mention the backpack. And he's like, right. Okay, cool. But like everything else, he's just like making it up and they're just like fine with it because it's like. You know, so he did find a way where I was like, see this, this, I would, this, I would do, you know, just pure invention. And then when you've like created a plot hole, someone's like, mention the backpack dickhead. Yeah. You know what? I don't want to work on the first six seasons of any show. I want to come in where everybody else is just running out the clock. Will, (laughs) Will, you want to be brought in when they're like, this show is so stale. We're literally inviting Will (laughs) Will Anderson in as himself to say one line an episode. That's where we're at, gang. And he's here. And it's helped. <laughs> they just talk about you a lot. Like, uh, I don't know. Will's working on his new show in his room. He said he probably won't be out for the night. <laughs> hey, what do you guys feel like doing? Like, it's just like that. Like, why are we doing this? Just include him, guys. Include him. Okay? So we made the fucking deal. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, God, I, I would, but unfortunately, I think Will's up there coming up with new titles for his show. Let's just go to the bar. All right, we'll go to the bar. Good night, Will. Good night. <laughs> Off camera. Um, how do you think that I'm? I'm interested. I'm actually very interested in what your perspective on this is because, you know, the fact that this worldwide shutdown has predominantly been focused in the place that produces so much of the entertainment, right? For years, I always think that. You know, as an Australian, like, you know, America provided, you know, so much of, you know, our cultural story through its entertainment, through like Hollywood movies and television shows. And I really do wonder whether we would be so enthralled by America if it hadn't been that America just has good PR, right? You're making good stuff that shows off America. But if America hadn't had Hollywood, like, would we really be as interested in America as we are, right? So, like, I'm interested in what goes on now in the world of entertainment because clearly, you know, there's all the world issues, but there's also the issues the entertainment industry itself is, like, you know, facing about what it what it, it's, you know, been and become and all these sort of things. What do you think happens? What happens, like after this well i think i mean the truth is that you know stuff is shooting stuff is ramping up and they just have to do it with smaller crews so they just have to do it with less people they have to do it in um you know kind of different it's just more of a process 
Um, but I think that what it opens you up to is, well, first of all, that means that places are probably figuring out how to do stuff cheaper. Mm. And whenever this business figures out ways to do things cheaper, they don't go back. Like they're not like, oh no, we do. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I definitely think that you're going to see like a, um, a difference in, you know, working on shows was a very, um, you know, lo- like even for all the gripes I just stated, like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of money behind it. And you can tell when you're on a set, you know, there's just, there's a lot of money. I mean, there's a lot of equipment, there's a lot of options for food. There's just, you know, all this shit. Um, so my guess is a lot of the frills and stuff like that go, but then, yeah, I think you open yourself up to not only, um, more, creative stuff coming from places that aren't LA in America, I think also opening you up to just wider uh, places for, for content entertainment. I mean, you know, people really just consume things so differently. I, I don't know what it's like over there, but over here now, they've basically like, in in order to compete with Netflix and Hulu, places like, you know, say Warner Brothers or NBC are not allowing... Netflix to have friends any longer. They're like, we're taking friends back and we're now starting the television our own. Pro- the television program friends. We should, they can't, yes. they can't actually just say, you're not allowed to have friends anymore. No, no. And in, in, <laughs> in my business, they have that power. <laughs> yeah. We're taking your friends back. What? That's amazing. Yeah. That reminds me, I think of the most like Abbott and Costello bit you and I ever had at a dollop show was when I said, I'm rooting penguins in this one. And you just put your arm out and said, I'd think about that, mate. Because um, I was like, right, I knew what rooting meant, but I just was saying it like, right, I'm an idiot. Um, but so, um, yeah, so I, I think that, yeah, I think that like, so there will be more of that. And then, you know, you just, with Netflix now even, or, or places, you or YouTube, I mean, you can just watch so much different shit that I think... Um, you know, like a lot of businesses in this country, because of COVID, because of what it's done to work and uh, how terribly we've handled that. Um, yeah, I think it just opens you up to a lot of stuff being made cheaper, other places, but arguably as good or better. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, they shouldn't have a monopoly on entertainment. I mean, I remember when I first moved to LA, like, the monopoly was insane. I mean, you had to go through the proper channels. It changed very quickly when I moved here. But when I first moved there, like you had to go, you know, perform, get an agent, get, you know, get some auditions, get experience, get, you know, it was this, it was this like gradual climb, you know, and, and same with Scientology when I went through it. (laughs) Um, But, but so it's like you, you kind of had to respect that protocol, like it or not. And now it's just like, yeah, now, I mean, it's just, it's so much different. I mean, you know, the way you make more, you, people make more money making fucking Instagram videos than, you know, people on TV. And and the way that they changed all these little pods, so all these little networks now is just created, you know, I think just too many weird options and not enough good stuff. So everywhere wants you to pay seven ninety nine a month. And it's just like, get fucked, you know? It's not, you don't have, no, no. You know, well, you what, watch YouTube. What have you been watching? Because like th- these times lead to, you know, deep dives into the entertainment world. I'm always interested in what you've been watching and fascinated by. Have you found something? 
I've been watching the thing that I, I, well, I think the last time we did the show, I mentioned I've been watching what we do in the shadows and that show I'm caught up with and is fantastic. It is. Um, I'm going to say this again. Cause I, I just think it bears fucking repeating and I'm such an advocate for this show is like, I've watched, I would say the American TV adaption of what we do in the shadows in the last two months, I've got to watch each episode four times um, yeah. Wellington Paranormal, which you might not have seen yet, but that's the New Zealand spin-off, you know, out of the original movie as well. So there's a little universe, like, and yeah. they all actually fit together because I've watched Wellington Paranormal, I've watched the original movie, and I've watched like the American TV series. So many, it's my comfort place during this crisis. The, the it, they, yeah, it is one of the rare shows that gets funnier and funnier the more you watch it as well. Like, you know, it really. When I say I've watched it four times, I'm looking forward to the next four times I will watch it as well yeah. because there's just stuff in it that gets funnier every time you watch it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely agree. I, it is, it. I don't know why it is so fucking funny because it's you know I don't know. It must just be. It's just very well acted, very well written, and it's just funny as shit. But there's not enough stuff like that. Um, and then I've been watching like. You know, I started watching a documentary series. What the fuck is it called? Um, the Power of Nightmares <laughs> oh. that uh, a buddy of mine recommended to me. And um, and I've been watching that documentary series lately. And that's just basically about how um, it's hard to not be a little obsessed with how we got to where we are in this country. And it's just a great 10-part series on like um, how we create enemies in order to do whatever the fuck we want America. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's good stuff to know when you're like, you know, doing a Ollie into fascism. Um, so yeah, but that's a fun answer, isn't it? <laughs> oh, and I will, can I tell you the other thing? This is the worst thing, but just to show the, uh, color spectrum here. I also watch this show called Below Deck. Uh, every Monday, I watch Below Deck, which is about it's a Bravo show. So, uh, Below Deck. Uh, I know that Amy watches this uh, because good, good. She's a. I knew I liked well, her. Well, I I know this because I oh, she said to say hello. By the way, anyway, I can do that in the middle of the podcast. Send her my she best. Also did yes. say to send her love. Um. So yes, send my love. Uh, she, she's been watching it because when I look at the Netflix, I can see that episodes have been watched, but I've never watched it and I'm not familiar with what Below Deck is, but she's clearly decided to go solo on this project. So what is this? Pro sure. what, take me into the world. Take me, Gareth. It, I am currently it, it, on the deck and I need to go below the deck. So take me below the deck. Below the deck. Below the deck of Below Deck. Um. I don't know. You know when you're on the road, like, and you just have those days. Like, I, I, it's, I think it's obviously it's different in the states because you do the weekend, so you have your Friday or your Saturday where it's just there's fuck all to do. You know, you're in like the middle of nowhere. You've gotten your subway sandwich, and you're just flipping through. I just landed on Below Deck one day, and I don't know why I love it, but basically, what Below Deck is. And it's really a weird, it's, it's, it's not an escape because you're stressed out. You're like watching it stressed out. But okay. So basically the premise of the show is there are these luxury yachts 
there are these luxury yachts where millionaires go and they'll drop, you know, $300,000 on four days to go on this luxury yacht. And, uh, you know, they're in the middle of the Caribbean or they're in the middle of the Atlantic or whatever. They're like a Corsa, whatever it is. And, uh, and, and they're so out there doing they're, important they're work, see- like trying to work out how, you know, the world could have enough money for everybody to eat properly and be housed, right? I assume that's what the show's yes, about. Yes, yes. And, and how to get more, how to suck more oil out of earth until <laughs> it just becomes a dried, unwalkable husk. Um, but good stuff like that, like stuff that matters, you know, stuff where they're like stuff where they're like, how many babies are going to be fully ruined because of this? I still say we plow ahead. Um, so these relatable, cool millionaires go out in <laughs> to, these uh, luxury To discuss climate change with Greta Thunberg. To, to, to obvi- <laughs> on these solar powered luxury yachts. To go and pick up plastics from the ocean. No, I'm kidding. Throw them in there. Um, and so the show is from the perspective of the crew. So you've got a captain, you've got uh, your stew crew, and then you've got um, your like deckhands. And it, it's just and they and the situation if you work on one of these is fucking crazy because what you do is you share these tiny ass rooms, tiny ass rooms with another person and you just basically work for like two and a half months and you make pretty good money like for two and a half months and then you get to take some time off um and so basically it's about them having to okay before we get i I just want to break this down a little (laughs) so tell me about Paint me a picture of what one of, is on one of these yachts that okay. these people need to be in such a small space. So, okay, they're huge. They, they I mean, some yeah. of these are huge. And so you'll have, you know, like there will be a weight room. There will be like a master bedroom with, that's amazing with its own bathroom. Then there'll be like three guest rooms that are amazing. There's a hot tub. There's the dining area. There's the inside area. There's the inside dining room. Uh, then there's the galley. That's where the food gets made. So just so you know, if you're, this is going to be helpful if you ever get into a conversation about boats, because I have since watching Below Deck somehow stumbled into a conversation, and I said galley. Like, <laughs> so you have a new term, galley. That's where the food comes from, galley, um, uh, not galith, to be clear. Um, but, and- but also. I, I le- just love that idea that somehow you can't call it a kitchen because you're fucking on the water. Bill, like well, it's well, such a well, if you, arbitrary nobody's choice. Know what the fuck you're talking about if you call it a kitchen. What an arbitrary you're choice. You're in international waters. You're like, everyone around the world basically calls it a fucking kitchen and you've just gone, but when you're on water, it's a galley, my friend. Sorry, there, there's no kitchens allowed out here. Uh, maritime law per- forbids it. Uh, I'm going over to the left-hand side of this boat. Oh no, you won't, sir. Uh, yeah, get, let's. Yeah, I'll tell you what. You'll be peeling potatoes in the galley if you keep using that lingo. That's where you'll go. That's where you go for your punishment. <laughs> what pretentious! Yeah. like it, there's no reason for them to have changed such simple words. Like it's no, not like they've created no. a whole new language, no. right? They've just decided. No, no it's not. That. It's not a Klingon planet. No. <laughs> Yeah, there's no need. It's pointless. 
<laughs> well, I don't know why. why. That's what happens, though. But that's what I always think about that when it's like our country. Like, I'm like, why is our country? Why is our country the only one that has just shirk like the metric system? <laughs> why is that? Like, we're the only we just were like, nah, fuck it. It's just like, but it's been established. We're like, nah, it's different here. That's a mile. It's like, oh, God damn it. What about cars? But, now they got to say both. But also like, like a dollar is metric. Like, it's not like the metric system is not being used in the country. We, so it's just like a the, hodgepodge is, of different ones. Dick deep in the metric system, but still is just like, yeah, no, we went rogue. Want to see anyone want some olives from the galley? <laughs> so, what do you want from the galley? So, firstly, we can already see like that. All they needed to do was put the hot tub in the weights room, and all the people who work on the boat could actually have adequate space to be living but oh it is a cl- you- classic example of you know our society where the rich people have it's- way more than they could possibly need and for them to have way more than they can possibly need that the people who don't have enough have to be squeezed into completely inappropriate you know an environment yes and if they fall out of line and don't do properly they're off the boat yep. it is america the boat yeah. essentially <laughs> is what it is uh, that's we've, essentially what we've got, <laughs> we've got yeah. this show. It's called America the Boat. Could you call it Below America, Deck? Uh, uh, oh, it's it is it really is, and so it's yes, yes. and it really is. So it's the one percent right. throwing breadcrumbs for the ninety nine. That's what the show is. But so then, so they, so and then you have the interpersonal drama. I mean, it really is. It is. It is not, you would not watch this and go, oh, I see why he watches this. You would watch this and go, this is exactly what I thought. Why does he watch this? But there's something, uh, the stress that they put themselves through. And then they, so, and this is like every show. I mean, when you think about Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares, which we've talked about, you know, 140 times, it, that show never, never goes off formula. It's very simple. Ramsey's going to show up to your place. Your food's going to suck. He's going to tell you. You're not going to believe it. He's going to try to implement changes. You're going to push back. He's going to fix your family. He's going to make your menu better. And then he's going to replace your chef. And then you're going to have a good restaurant 50% of the time. And that and Below Deck is the same. Every time, it's these people come on this boat. They want to be serviced. The people are trying to do it. The chef fucks up one thing. They think it's going to go badly. It goes okay. Then they can't. And then there's like a storm or something. They have to make do. They come up with like poker night, and the people are very happy. And then when they leave, they give them a pretty good tip. Then they all go out and get shit-faced, and a bunch of them make out, and they shouldn't have. And then someone's like, you're an asshole, and like breaks a window. And then it's like, on the next Below Deck. And then like any other show, it's not like the next... Next week I come back and I go, all right, we're picking up where we left off. I go, I it's, it's such junk food that I'm like, I literally don't remember a fucking thing that happened on the last one. And that's why they do the recap. That's where they're like, hey, stoner, remember last week? You're like, nope, why am I here? They're like, cuz Sandy was about to fire Hannah. You're like, oh, shit, that's right. Hannah, Hannah brought drugs on the boat. What my week? What did I do this week? Um, I've been watching a uh, new Gordon Ramsay show. Actually, he's got. I'm sure I've watched it. Have you watched it? It's the one where he does uh, international adventures. I don't know what it's. Yep, yep, yep. He must hate his family, right? That's what's happening. I mean, he follows us both on Twitter, but he must. And we love the man, but good lord, he must just be like, "Uh, yes, all right. I'm off to Indonesia for the year. Bye, everybody. (laughs) So my favorite thing about this show. And I, I hope that you've been, been enjoying this too. 
So for people who don't know, it's kind of like an Anthony Bourdain style show. So Gordon Ramsay going to you know, different cultures and different environments and being immersed in the environment. But because it's Gordon Ramsay, you know, it has to have this like action adventure element yeah. to it where he's like an Indiana Jones. And so every <laughs> time that he's going to these places, he's always like they're telling him that he has to jump out of a helicopter yeah. and stuff. Like there's all these unnecessary like, yeah action bits to this yeah. show if you want to get the right egg we need to go in the cave he's like bloody hell the cave it's like gordon your producers knew about this two and a half months ago yeah yeah and it, it's a cameraman already in the, yeah, cave. the cameraman we've been in the cave we got in the cave yesterday you emailed back saying can't wait to get in the cave it doesn't matter um yes and and it's also great because it what i loved about anthony bourdain's show was that it was totally it just organically happened they put him this show he'll be like what do you mean and she'll be like because at the end of the week i think you should cook for uh the president and he's like cook for the president i've got to cook this culture i'm just learning this week for the president oh boy i've got my work cut out for me like they add those stakes to it which i find very funny and then and then it's like at the end of like an interaction someone will be like well if you need tomatoes you should go see my man He's got the best tomatoes, but he lives on that haunted mountain up there. He's like, haunted mountain? Good Lord. Who could have seen this coming? Like, you replied to the... Shh. It's my favorite thing about it is the it's got a real online gameplay element to it where to complete this meal. So they set up the stakes of what the meal will be at the start. Like, he's going to cook for the Zulu king yeah. or whatever. And, you know... And you have this image in that moment, of course, because, and again, this is Hollywood and this is like probably, you know, an example of us not having like kind of racist connotations to these things. But when you go, he's going to cook for a Zulu king and you in your head, you imagine some like dude with skulls around right. his neck who's going to kill Gordon Rams. And then like at the end, a guy who looks like an yeah. accountant rocks up and you're like, oh yeah, wow. they're like modern day business people he dresses in a suit if he yeah, goes to lunch yeah. i get it he's like the yeah. local mayor <laughs> yeah 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 and but i mean he also like he at it the way that he at the end of it like someone will be like you know you've got to go see my friend like and it leads every interaction leads to the next interaction in a way where you're like eh, come on. but it well, in, in a way that he should not be surprised because these people have done a remarkable job of like getting each of the key ingredients for his thing and then just like knowing only one other person in a convenient yeah, location yeah, yeah, to go yeah, and get yeah, it from. Yeah, yeah. Like my favorite is though, uh, and, and, and it's definitely one of these things. So if we're going to cook seafood, then we're going to have to catch some fresh yeah. fish. And then they go out fishing and Gordon Ramsay. Oh, I saw this one. Is the world's worst fisherman. Now he's been in two or three episodes. He's fish, yes, and he never catches anything. But can like, we stop filming him trying to fish? Can we also talk about the wetsuit situation or the dry suit situation? Like he looks like he's vacuum sealed. Like he he is he, he seriously looks like jerky. Like they the bag is the his suit. It's just. I've like I've been in wetsuits and they're not flattering, but his I'm like, what the hell? He just looks very different in a wetsuit than you would imagine. Like he looks, he doesn't look very aquatic. And then yeah, when he gets in, he's like trying to spear these fish, and he's just like missing everything. The worst, terrible. He's like the worst. Yeah. At it. And then they've also, but then there's also ones where he goes on a hunt and he's like got to shoot like a deer, 
and he can't and he misses, you know. But he's a chef. <laughs> My favorite thing about it uh, is so often they're MacGuffins as well. Like he has to go out and like hunt these crocodile or whatever because all the native people eat crocodile, and then he just ends up doing something with lamb. He does a take on crocodile, but with lamb. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, this is my lamb crocodile, yeah. <laughs> Zulu king, who looks like you did your taxes. Thank you. Yeah, have you seen? Okay, and I mean, I, there's not anything else left to say about below deck, so we're not leaving the subject. It, have you seen the one where? This is to see how how hooked on Ramsey are you. Have you seen the one where he cooks with his family at home? Oh, no, I don't think I have. Yeah, okay. This one is, this is the test to see how in this are you. If you'll simply, I, and, and we neither of us eat meat, so you are simply learning how to make roasts from him and his daughter for reasons I know not. Like, I'm not sitting there like, I'm going to make that this Christmas. I'm like, ah, I don't eat it. But I've watched, it's like him and, you know, he's like, my son Jack, who absolutely adores shrimp, you know? And then he's like, all right, Jack, we're going to make a jambalaya today, all right? You know, and he just makes it with his kids. <laughs> it's pretty sad, and I've seen all of them. I saw a road movie-style uh, one that he was in just recently, where it was him and two other chefs, and, like, from, you know, diff- different famous chefs from different countries, and they went, like, on a... Super chefs. They went on, like, a road movie-style adventure together to, like, you know, get all the ingredients. Again, it was one of those, we've got to go on a yeah. mission to collect all the ingredients. Seems like a lot of the, show, a lot of the shows are Indiana jones some paprika. A bunch of shows that should be called We've Not yeah. Heard of Shops. Because... Yeah. Like, like Gordon Ramsay's no shops. You can get all this stuff down at the local supermarket, but apparently I'm going to drive 200 kilometers Gordon, to make Gordon mozzarella. would rather spelunk. Gordon would rather spelunk to make the omelet. But yeah, it was three different chefs with so it was Ramsay and 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 two other fellas trying to Who are the other? Oh. Do you are you like me where you feel like like I feel like I've already been kind of married to Gordon, yeah. like I'm not seeing other chefs. Like I'm like you know, well, wh- like I won't. I, I, he's the gold standard. To we me. were, that, that, we were a Bourdain about him. household, so that was our number one. Rest in peace. Yes, still. But I think out I, to me, the Anthony's show. Well, yes, he is a chef. It's it's more of like a travel, sh- like as far as like the celebrity chef culture. Yeah, but I. I so he, I'll run you through my big three. Okay. I've got a big three. So. Uh, okay. Bourdain, I will say for a couple of reasons. I, I read his book and I absolutely loved his book. Kind of before I knew even, you know, he's, yeah, before the TV stuff, I, I just really loved his yeah. book. So I was in and he was beloved in this household. And Amy still, you yeah. know, gets really sad when we can't even watch old episodes still yet at the moment because it's too sad. Really? I, I, I'll tell you, at the end of this, I'll tell you my Anthony Bourdain. And story. we would, when we were in traveling, if we landed in a place where we didn't know what to do, so often what we do is look up if Anthony Bourdain had been uh, there and then just look up what he'd done and go and do the things that he'd done. And he probably had been there, right? I mean, I don't think we went to many places that he hadn't been, put it that way. <laughs> so Yeah, he went everywhere. And he always did things that were really understanding of what the culture was. So you got like a very different yeah. experience than the tourist guys. So Anthony Bourdain, Gordon Ramsay, of course. 
like but yep. like a complicated relationship with Gordon because sometimes like you like you watch these shows just shaking your head at how ridiculous it all is but but there's a love there as well and like his restaurants I've eaten in a bunch of them makes tasty food like yeah. and then third Tom Colicchio so Tom Colicchio okay, yeah. uh, Top Chef was where I but when I was in LA, the best meals I ever had were at his restaurant. I, I like his sense of humor. I think he's like, I like his politics. He's kind of like, yep. you know, he's one of those guys that, um, so they're my big three. They feel different roles, but they're my big three chefs. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's a good list. That's solid. Um, what I loved about, I didn't actually start watching Anthony Bourdain's shows until kind of right before he maybe like a year before he died um but i actually had a show on the travel channel um that they completely fucked up because they're the worst network to ever work with but evan and i made a travel show called man i mean bright, we brave time like, to be dissing the travel channel i mean these are these yeah. are very brave <laughs> words now that no one can travel you're like you know who? i'm gonna burn the fucking travel channel <laughs> Yeah, and the aviation network. <laughs> Suck it. That's right. I'm coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can suck it. Um, and so, uh, and so, truly, like the dumbest experience. So we we ended up shooting like a season of the show. But this is when we'd made a pilot of the show, and um, and we were in New York, like just shooting a bunch of like content and taking pictures and stuff, but we still weren't sure if we were going to get picked up or what the deal was, but they were bringing in um, everybody to sort of shoot their promos, you know, whatever, like, you know, the stuff where you're like, Hey, it's me. You're watching the travel channel. <laughs> you know, like, like I was never going to give a shit. I'm no Will Anderson. Otherwise that would have clout. I don't play myself. Um, and, and I didn't even think about it, but like Anthony Bourdain obviously had the biggest show on the travel channel. He kind of put the travel channel on the map and then he's there. And so he's there for the press and he walks in, you know, like a little bit later, but he's still there. And they have a holding area for all of us. They have us and then a couple other shows they're picking up and then like the man versus food guy or whatever. But like. Anthony Bourdain is just like the coolest dude. And at the, even again, at this point, I don't really fucking know him. I just know like he's got the best show. So, but and I, I'm probably in my head a little like, this guy's not that good. Like <laughs> I, I've got a better show than this. You know what I mean? Like I'm like that dickhead. And, um, and he just is so funny and, and being like, so what is your show? What are you going to do on your show? You know what I would, you know, he's like the thing that has made my show good. He just talked about the crew how great the crew was, how he, keeping his crew his crew and never listening to the fucking travel channel has been his formula for success. And, um, and which ended up obviously being advice that we could not take because, you know, we had to listen to him, but it would have been the right advice to take. And then we're eating lunch and then he's like, can we have beer? And all these travel channel people are like, <laughs> Anthony, that's so funny. He's like, I'm serious. Can we just get some beer? And then he gives like a PA, like 60 bucks. And he's like, go get two 12 packs of Heineken. And then they're all like, <laughs> of course, we're not going to be stuffy suits, whatever Anthony wants. And then they bring back all this beer. And then for the rest of the day, we were all just drinking beer. And I was like, this dude fucking gets it. <laughs> and then he, he left, he came, came last, or came uh, last and left first, but as he should. But those three, four hours were like, 
as someone who was totally, arguably was like, eh, fuck this guy. I was like, that dude is the man. Like, just the best. And then having fallen in love with the show after that, you are like, that is why that show works. That dude is 100% how he is on that show is how he is. And that's why it works. There's nothing set up. There's, there's, you know, if something doesn't work, he admits, I mean, talk about having trouble fishing. Like every fishing segment he does, he's like, we can't get these. We, we should stop doing these, <laughs> you know, like it just, and yeah, it was crazy. So I think when like, cause I do think that like, like when Amy says like, she still can't watch, like he had such a cultural impact. And I always think whenever I hear it, like I do try to mention it just because I'm like, there's so few genuine articles and that dude had nothing, had no reason to be gracious, had no reason to get beer, didn't even have to fucking be there really or be around us and was the whole time and was just, you know, made it good. I'm, made it I'm good. going to incorporate that into my new thing because it felt a little selfish, the fact that I'm demanding that I only play myself and I only have one line. So okay, instead of half an hour, I'm going to give you an hour, but half an hour of that is going to be charming other people. So I'll come in for an hour. That's... I want like right. I'll do do That's my thing be in very half helpful. an hour, and then the other half an hour That's... I'll be like the guy buying some beer, celebrating everybody, thanking them for having me on for my one line, and then I'll piss off, leave a good impression. That's now that is how you act. That's the right acting. Acting. That's how you do it. You give them an hour. I'm telling you, you give them ninety minutes. You're gonna go far in this business, kid. You know, you know what? Up again. I'll give him ninety minutes, but again, an hour. There you, I and think you're gonna. An hour of it is now charming. Yes, but that's all we're gonna need. Because again, your will. You have one line. It's just we might be a little behind schedule, but uh, sorry, schedule, which by the way might be a new. Just saying. Um, let me just think about it. Um, but that I think that that's all we need. So. Yeah. Once the new girl starts back up, I actually I know the coach. I actually know the coach from hoops. Um, I do a podcast with him, so I could put in a good word if that goes for more. Uh, I can see what he says. Uh, thank you for doing. Thank you for doing this. It was fun. Thank you, Will. It is always a pleasure, truly. Um, um, oh, yeah. I've got one thing I want to mention. Yeah. My plug. I have a good plug. Good plug. Uh, you can uh, please go to. I do these uh, shows on Instagram Live Thursday night that are all improvised stand-up comedy. They are uh, suggestion-based, so people can send an email, a suggestion, and then I'll riff on them on Instagram Live. Thursday nights at 6 p.m. L.A., you can send an email to garethslive at gmail.com. And then if you want to watch some of them, go to YouTube, uh, and it's Gareth Reynolds TV, and subscribe to that, and then uh, watch some of these Gareth's clips. Gareth's. That's great. Fantastic. That's it. That's all I got. Oh, and uh, October 24th, uh, September 24th, Dave and I are doing a live dollop. Uh, and you can go find us for ticks. And then October 24th, I'm doing a live stand-up show, Into the Void. Uh, and you can go to my social media and find that, at Reynolds Gareth. Now I'll shut up, because I was just one of those people that I despise. No, no, I didn't despise that at all. You gave me your time. You should get your plugs in. And plus, they're all for things that people would enjoy. So I, yes. I, I don't actually think that they're... like I, That's what my attitude to plugs is, is really... All you're trying to do is tell some someone about something that they actually might yeah, want to watch. Or I know. I always, enjoy. I always feel douchey though. It's so I don't know. But I why? Think, I think I don't know. I think when I like when I I mean because I watched so much TV growing up, I watched how people would push 
the thing they were on a talk show for like that raised me in many ways <laughs> like you know whatever and um and i would always be like i always liked the person who wasn't pushy and so when i put i'm pushy i'm like oh you're being like mike myers <laughs> you're annoying you're being like mike myers on letterman that one time like that's just where my mind goes <laughs> Because I remember seeing Mike Myers do his press tour for Austin Powers, and he was rocking the same material. And I was like, does this dude not know what a fucking TV junkie is? Like, we sniff it, Mike. You're full of shit. Good Lord. How many times are you going to say you tried coffee at this local place called Starbucks? Enough. Don't you the know well the hath run on- dry. ongoing effects of this that I won't be able to promote my own material as an entertainer myself? <laughs> Because I'm so <laughs> scarred by this experience. Yeah. See? Um, Welcome to hell. I wanted to ask about the stand-up show. I'm going to let you go in a second. But I wanted to ask about the stand-up show. That um, So you're doing it literally, as like this title suggests, like into the void. Like it's a, a stand-up show yeah. of you just being in a room by yourself doing stand-up? I believe that it is just... I believe that I don't hear people. I've done some shows where you hear people. I think this one is... Maybe I'm wrong. I think this one though is just yeah into into the camera, which which would sound a lot stranger to me if I hadn't been doing these fucking weekly shows where that's all I'm doing, you know. But it still will be weird for sure. It's it's so hard to tell, <laughs> obviously, how you're doing, which is one of the great things about live. Pro- how am I doing? You because as you know. You can have a show that you think is dog shit and people be like, that was amazing. And you can have a show that you think was amazing and listen back and be like, that was not that good. Like the audience is very important into your barometer for how this is going and where you're going with it and and how to add new stuff. So, yeah, when you are just like, you know, I listened to my last set I did in Australia when I was there, mm-hmm. when you guys had the fires, which I just go where there are fires. That's my tour schedule. And uh, and I was listening to that, and it was the last show I did at the comedy store. And I was like, I should not be torturing myself by listening to this. Because I was going to do some, I, you know, because I'm like getting ready to do stuff. So I was like listening, and I was like, listen to how enjoyable <laughs> this sounds to do. This just sounds, and it just sounds so God, like crowd work, you know, picking on someone, all these little things that are just so minute. And I would be, you know, and we'd show up and be like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm do this show and go to bed. It's like, man, I will suck that show's dick right now to have it back. Yeah, well, that's what I feel. So I didn't do a heap of stand up last year, but I feel really lucky that I got you know, two, three months at the start of this year where I was doing a lot of shows and I was doing really different yeah. shows. And so I got to do like my crowd work shows. I got to do like a written show. I got to do some different venues and festivals and stuff. So I was in that perfect time where I was just loving it. Like in some ways you could yeah. look at that as being really disappointing because then suddenly it goes away. But I hadn't got to the point where I was back resenting any of that. And so now the yeah. idea that I'm not going to do it for... Uh, you know, it's probably going to be 18 months, two years before I get to, you know, experience those parts of it again in the same way yeah. as they were before, yeah. you know, yeah. all this happened. It is, it's a very it's fucking, fucking weird crazy. feeling. Well, I mean, I think, I think for me it's been very, but it, especially for, I mean, 
I mean, we were doing a lot of live dollops, but I mean, you you are a grinder. Like you are out there, like constantly grinding. So it is the the shift in like from the grinding to nothing. Nothing. It's really. It's and crazy that nothing it feels now normal. and foreseeably nothing for a very long time. Yeah, and having to and yeah, and I think having a realistic look, like you're saying, like that to me sounds like the right time frame. Like we we have some stuff we've rescheduled that we're like maybe, but like we were even we're not ambitious with like thinking this shit is going to happen, you know, this fall or anything, but... Well, I think that, like, there'll be various different versions of things. No doubt. Like, things aren't just going to... Like, they'll come up with ways of doing... They're already doing smaller versions of socially distanced shows and these sort of things. And I think that'll eventually have to become bigger versions of those things. But for it to be back to what it was beforehand, you know, what we remember it being, where you can actually just... You know, be jammed in a room not together. Not think about stuff. And yeah, and yeah, it's not going to because even if you go to a show, there's still the awareness that you know th- that you're taking some sort of risk, right? And so, yeah. even that idea of the funnier you are on stage, the more fluids people expel from their mouths. So literally, <laughs> like, yeah. even this is the yeah. Even in that moment where you always felt at your, you know your best which is just when like you're not giving them time to finish laughing at the last thing before they have to start laughing at the next thing like that uncontrollable laughter that is actually the most dangerous you could possibly be (laughs) to them and their health and their safety yeah yeah when you get someone like in the front who just has losing their shit too much yeah you just like that person you're like get this get him out of here get him out of here we're just going to have to back off a bit, guys. We've gone into the funny red zone and we just need uh, to look at guys. For, I, that's okay. That that's, that'll be, that's, that's the scene I want to write that I want you to do. I'm going to be your agent telling you why you can't do certain jokes because mm. it's too good. Well, so, I love it, but it's just, I mean, come good. on. That's a killer. That's, that's a germ. That's a germ volcano. It's a super spreader. We've, it's a super we've, spreader we've, laugh. We've gone through your set and we've identified eight super spreaders that you just can't okay. do during the show. We're aiming for C. We're, we want a C show is a safe show. That's what we're saying. Okay. So that if we can aim there, that's the target. That's how you get the longevity during a pandemic. And you'll do your great stuff later, you know. But now, if you feel like something's getting momentum, take it out of the act. Yeah, we are a C show venue. We guarantee our audience a C show. Uh, we're actually at sea. Uh, that's why we've had to change the kitchen to the galley. You might that's have noticed that. Right. So this is the galley. And anybody who's got any other questions, <laughs> that's why you're the best in the biz, Anderson. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, mate. Show. Thank you for doing this. All right, buddy. My pleasure, as always. 